Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. I got thinking about things. I don't know if you've gone shopping anytime recently and discovered that some things are not made like they used to be. You buy something and you're like, I got a new one. Hello. And you had like one old one and one new one. You buy the new one and the new one doesn't last longer than the other old one that you still had. And you get to this point where you're like, some things just don't last. And it's frustrating. I I had a dishwasher give out and we had dishwashers that lasted for like decades. And then I bought a new one and then it died. And then, but I got a warranty on that one. I don't normally buy those extended warranties, but I'll tell you what. Three dishwashers later, I am really glad I did. Because sometimes they just don't build things the same. And I got thinking about what is the secret to a life that will last? Because I want my life to last. I want my family. I want my marriage. I want my relationships. And I want my faith to last. And I I started looking going, is there a secret? What is it? What is the most important thing when you build something if you want it to last? In fact, if you type it into Google real quick, you're like, all right, if I want my home to last, what's the most important thing? It'll tell you your foundation. And it'll go through and it tells you that homeowners normally forget about their foundation, that they get all excited about the bathroom and they get excited about the cupboards and the countertops and all these different accessories and fun things that look wonderful. And their curb appeal, and it goes through, but without a good foundation, all of those other things are for naught. All of those other things might be great for a little while, but without a good foundation, it will be just a little while. And as I kind of got pondering this idea that's true in the natural, it's true with my house, Jesus says it's true with my life. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus lays this out, and and a lot of you guys have heard this passage before, but I want to look at like three things that he pulls out here. Jesus says that everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, and this and does them is a really key phrase, because sometimes we think, I have heard God's word, so I am set. I got my lucky bucky beaver badge, I heard the word, I went to church, and now I'm good. But he says, those who hear my words and do them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Then he says that the winds came and the storms blew. And he goes through and it says that they beat against the house, but it did not fall. And then he goes on, he says, but a a fool. Uh, He says that the one who hears these words and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And he exposes a Christian myth. You ready for a Christian myth? Get saved and all your problems will go away. (laughs) Give your life to Jesus for a life of ease. Okay, that's not true. That's not what Jesus said. If you look at what he said, he said that the guy who heard his words and did them, he went through a storm. The guy who heard his words and didn't apply them, he went through a storm. And this is what I figured out. 
Foundations don't change circumstances, they change outcomes. Because if you build a good foundation, it doesn't control the weather. But it'll determine whether or not you hold up during the weather, during the storm. And the same, this is true in our life. That in our life, what the foundation that we build our life upon determines not what we go through, but whether or not we make it through. And so I begin to look at this, and then I begin to look at the word and go, okay, if this is true, it's going to be all over in this book. And so I went to the beginning. Genesis chapter, okay, you go, beginning is one, but this is Genesis chapter three. We're pretty close to the beginning. And uh, we find the story of Adam and Eve and when they sin. And there's this really crazy thing. So, so if you're not familiar with the story, I'll give you the, the quick version here. God makes Adam and Eve and he puts them in this beautiful garden. And he goes, have fun. It's yours. Take care of it. One rule. There's one tree. Don't eat from it. Now that sounds pretty good. You're like, how many rules? One. What else can you do? Anything. And, and so they're, they're living this. And I don't know how long it took, but sometime afterwards, they're in there and they're, Eve and Adam are out for a walk and they're by the tree that they're not supposed to eat from. And this snake shows up and it's like, Psst, don't let Eve. And, and I'm listening, I'm like, okay, that's, I think any of the girls in here, if a snake started speaking to you, what would you do? <laughs> you know, there'd be screaming, there'd be running. Someone's like, I'd be finding a stick and being like, <laughs> but it makes me wonder what was normal in the garden because she didn't seem to be so surprised, which is a whole other topic, which is fun to ponder, but we're not going to go there right now. So as, as she responds to the snake, she's like, hey, and he's like, you know, this tree, you know, did, did God really say you can't eat from it? And his first attack was to try to see if he could shake her foundation. Could he shake God's word? Because Jesus said that this foundation was hearing and doing God's word. And so that's his first attack. He's like, hey, did God really say? And then what he did next took me off, or, or what happens next took me off guard. He changed the question. And when you change your question, his goal was to take her off the foundation. Because she looks at this and she has this debate, but then in verse 6, she doesn't say, oh, you know what? I guess you're right. You know, God's word just changed. She goes, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and he took the question from what is right to what do you want? And if that question changes, everything falls apart. Everything becomes relative and everything falls apart. Because this is what happened to her. She goes through and she goes, oh, well, I guess it looks good. I guess I think that I, I, I want it. And this is what our culture is doing. Our culture has been making this massive shift of going, there is no truth. There is no absolute, and it doesn't really matter. It's, it's whatever is good for you, and that sounds fluffy, but it doesn't hold up, and it ends up in this complete mess, and if you talk to somebody who believes that there is no absolutes, it, it, it's, 
it's really easy to disprove. Because if you were to just look at them and go, well, then can I punch you? (laughs) They will say no. And you go, why? Because that's wrong, says who? Are you sure? Yes! Are you absolutely sure? And it begins to fall apart, but this is, this is what happens in our life where so many people's life begins to fall apart because it, it shifts off of what does God's word say and it goes into, well, what do I want and well, what looks good? And this foundation becomes in question. And this, this moral revel, relativism just destroys so many lives. In fact, whenever I get ready to do a wedding, I go over this with every couple. This is like pre-marriage 101, appointment number one. I'll go through with them, and just before I end session number one, I'll go through a, a research from Barner, the Barner Research Group, and he says this. Uh, he goes, why do you make your choices? And he, and he broke it down into like multiple choice to make it nice and easy for us. Everyone appreciate multiple choice qu- quizzes? Um, so he goes through, he goes, okay, when, when asked, he said 44% of people decided they would do whatever brings them the most pleasing result. 17% said they will do whatever they believe will make other people happy. Another 17% said the values that they were taught by their family. And then 24% said they lean primarily on religious principles and teachings of the Bible content when making moral decisions. And I begin to, to hear this, and I begin to ask people, going, okay, which one, is, which one is your reasoning? And when they begin to think about this, things begin to change. Because I'll then tell them, I'm going, this is the most important questions that I'm going to ask you in your pre-marriage. Because when you get into an argument, it's going to come back to your foundation. When you navigate your finances, it's going to come back to your foundation. When you go to parent your children, it's going to come back to your foundation. When your job goes crazy, it's going to come back to your foundation. When you go to communicate, it's going to come down to your foundation. When you go, and I can just go through all of this with them going, well, why? And a lot of them will look at me and they'll go, oh, well, actually, it's probably uh, whatever is going to bring, make me happy or whatever is going to make the other person happy. And I, and I was like, do you realize that if your foundation is anything but this, how easy you are to blow around? Because if, if your desire is nice, your desire is good right now, and you're like, you know what? I just want to please this wonderful person that's next to me. They're so amazing. I'm going to want to please you forever. You're like, I'm so glad you feel that way. But do you realize that some point your feelings are going to change? Feelings are fickle. They flip-flop all of the time. Do you realize that Jesus came in riding on a donkey into Jerusalem and they threw us like a one donkey parade for him? They gathered up, they lined the streets, they sang to him, they put their coats, they put like branches down in front of him so the donkey wouldn't be on the ground. I'm like, this is crazy. And within a week, they're yelling, crucify him! Minds change quickly. And I tell them going, there will be a point in your marriage where you will not feel like doing the right thing. And if your compass is based on how do I feel right now, then it is only a matter of time before you screw it up. And if you are trusting that your spouse's compass 
is that they feel like they like you. What happens after a fight? What happens to your trust? And, and this is true in marriage, but this is true in every area of our life. See, if, if what I do is based on what I think sounds good, then it's only, I'm only here until I find a salesman good enough to convince me that something is good. And I have no foundation. And all of the things I said I would never do, it's only I'll never do them until someone convinces me that they're a good idea. And there are people who can sell anything. The devil's one of them. And if our foundation isn't the word, then it's just a matter of time before things fall apart. See, when, when Jesus was tempted, in Matthew chapter 4, he sets the example. The devil shows up for him, and he, and he does almost the same thing that he did with Eve. He shows up, in fact, if you rewind, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus gets baptized, and God speaks from heaven over him, and he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So you have like confirmation from the Father, and then you go forward like four verses, five verses. You know what the first thing the devil says is? If you are really the son of God, like, isn't that what he just said? And so the first thing is going, can I attack God's word? Can I shake this foundation? And then he goes through a series of temptations trying to get him to bypass the process trying to shortcut it. And that's so often what he does where he sits here and he goes, yeah, yeah, God wants this for you, but if you go this route, I can get it to you faster and easier. And, and we see here and Jesus' response was, was, is amazing because Jesus just goes back and goes, well, it's written. And the devil's like, oh, all right, well, what about this one? And Jesus goes, yeah, well, it's written. And Satan's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about this? This will be great. And this will be like so much easier. If you just do this, I will give you all the things that you want. All the things that you dream of. And it like, and Jesus' response, it is written. And he sits here and he, and he demonstrates a life that was going to weather the storm was a life founded and full of the word. And he sits here and, and it becomes this life changer because foundations don't determine circumstances, they determine outcomes. Storms come on the outside, but the battle is on the inside. And the battle is to get you off your foundation. Because as long as you're on that solid foundation, you're not going anywhere. But as soon as he can get you off of that foundation to go, all right, rather than what does God say, how do I feel, what do I want, then it's just a matter of time before I crumble. And so often that that's, that's the process of compromise that leads us away, that convinces us of dumb things. But the Bible says that our weapons are not, the, the weapons of our wherefore are not flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to make it obey Christ. He goes, this is where the battle's gonna happen. This is your weapon. This is your foundation. And if you aren't full of this, then you are easy to deceive. And sometimes we'd like to think that we're smart. Most of us would like to think that we're smart. 
Um, Some people are smart, and some people might know that they're not. But most of us like to think that we're smart. But here's the thing. Even if you're really smart, if there's something that you know nothing about, you are incredibly easy to fool. I will confess my sin. So, it's not not so bad, and it was really little. So, when I was young... um, I remember I was at my friend's house and we were swimming in his pool and his cousin came over who was probably like five years younger than we were. And he lost his socks. And he's like, I can't find my socks. And for some reason, we just decided to see how, I think the term is gullible. I don't really like that term because normally that's a sign that you're lying to someone to see how naive or how much they trust you. In hindsight, this is kind of mean. But this is what happened. So, we sit here and we're like, um, your socks are missing. Like, we put them on the moon. And he looks at us, he's like, you did not put them on the moon. How did you get to the moon? A rocket. How else do you get to the moon? He's like, well, where is there a rocket? There's no rocket right here. It's just down the street a little ways. He's like, there's not. I'm like, yeah, it is. You've seen it in the movies, you know, like where the hills open up. There is an underground rocket just down there. Well, how did you get over there? The four-wheeler. Hmm. And like he's going through this, this process, and it was like 15 minutes of us just going back and around with him of like, wait, how did you get my socks on the moon? And we're like, we took the rock, and we, we go through this with him, and he was like convinced, and then just before he left, I think my friend's mom found his socks, and he's like, you didn't put them on the moon! And you're like, got us. Like, really? But like, I'm thinking about this going... It is so ludicrous of an idea to think that in the afternoon while he was swimming, we took his socks, put them on the moon, and came back. The fact that there was an underground rocket a mile away that we took, like, you break this down and you go, okay, logically, that is really stupid. But to the little kid, it it made enough sense that it worked. But do you realize that that happens to people all the time? That they don't have this in their heart? And then they go through and they're like, you know, I know that I'm not supposed to lie or cheat, but if I just answer this a little bit differently on my tax form, it's going to make thousands of dollars of difference. You know, I know, you know, I've heard it said in church that, that sex is for inside of marriage, but we love each other. And all of a sudden, it goes off, it shifts from What does God say to what do I want? And as soon as I get it into what do I want, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of the best, a good enough excuse before it all falls apart. See, Psalms chapter 119, verse 11, goes through and it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And this is just this powerful thing that we go through going, all right, have I put this inside of me or did I think I was, it was enough to hear it? Because I, I told you I wanted to grab three things out of that, that story in Matthew chapter 7. Number one, I went through that storms come to everybody. That foundations don't determine what happens, they determine what lasts. They don't determine your circumstances. They determine whether you make it through them. And it's not enough to hear this. 
it is not enough to come to church. He goes, those who hear the word and do it. The other one heard the word and didn't do it. And I think that in our society, so much of Christianity has gone, well, I heard the word, so I'm good. I've heard the word, so I'm set. But Josh chapter one, verse eight says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. He goes, if you want a life that's going to last, you need to hear the word. Then you need to do the word. And I want to invite and challenge everybody to get in to this. Because this word has to be your foundation if you want a life that will last. That's why we do Awana. We do Awana so that kids will start to hide this in their heart today. Awana is fun to bribe you into memorizing verses. <laughs> it's what it is. And as you get older, we do different things and we cut out the bribe, sorry. Um, so we have CLS, we have Leaders for Christ. What is it? It is to help people build a foundation on God's word to hide God's word in their heart, to have an understanding of it so that they can apply it so that they can live it. Because this word is supposed to be our foundation. This word is supposed to lead and guide us. This is the key to a life that lasts. Um, as, as I look at this, as I, as I know the attacks are coming, I want to challenge you to get into his word. And if you don't have a regular habit of getting into God's word, you, it will not happen on accident. Willie George said this of prayer, but it's true of, of reading your Bible. It's a lot like going to the gym. The people who have no plan, who are going to go when they feel like it, don't feel like it very often. And they, they, they come sporadically. He says, in the beginning of the year, you'll see a bunch of them in January. And by February, they're done. If you go through and say, I should read more Bible. And then that's your plan. <laughs> it might happen this week. But it won't. But if you say, you know what? I am going to read my Bible. And so I'm going to make time for it. And I'm going to do it before I go to work. So I'm going to get up at this hour then you will come to the test when your alarm goes off and you're like, why is it beeping? <laughs> why now? Or you can say, hey, I'm going to read before I go to bed. You set a time. And if you set a time, that time will come. But my challenge is to hide this in your heart. We do our seven at sevens daily to help people get into a habit. If you're like, what is your seven at seven? Monday to Friday, we do seven minutes together in the Word. We'll pray together on Mondays. We'll go over and apply the message. We'll spend a couple days getting into God's Word together, seeing what we get out of it. Because getting into the Word, making a habit of it, will change your life and will build a life that lasts. And as we, as we look at this, there are some who look and go, you know what? I have believed in the Lord, but my foundation is weak. I have not regularly got into the word for myself. I have heard the word, but I need to get into it regularly. My challenge for you is to do it. Make a plan and then stick to the plan. If you're like, I don't know where to start. Matthew is a great spot to start. 
It's, it's the New Testament. If you're like totally new to the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, and it's a great spot to start. The first 14 verses, a little bit rough. That's okay. It's a genealogy. You're like, somebody had a baby who had a baby who had a baby who had a baby who had a baby, and you're like, what? When you get to know it all, it it actually is important, and it's telling you that this is the Messiah that was prophesied. This is the one that they were waiting for because it was promised that he would come from this person and this person and this person, and they're all in this row. But when you're first starting out, that part, you're like, oh, I had a baby, had a baby, had a baby. Okay, here. Um, but when you get into this and you start, it makes a difference. But as I look at this, I know that there are people here who have fallen for the well, whatever feels good, whatever, wherever, you know, just follow your heart, wherever it leads. The Bible warns us there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. If you just follow your heart wherever it leads, that's the path you'll find. But you go, you know what, no, I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you said, you know, I've heard the word, but I have not been a doer of the word, and I want to give my life to following God. I want to build my life on that. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life today, to say, you know what, I'm going to build my life on this, on hearing and applying this. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here and you say, today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want a foundation on, on him, on his word, and on following him. Then when I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and you can know that you're right with God, that you're in a relationship with him, that you're on your way to heaven. That's you. Get ready. One, two, three. Go ahead and say, that's me. Awesome. I see your hand and your hand and your hand. Who else says, that's me? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. Another one over there. All right. If you're online, you can just type in, that's me. Most important decision that anybody ever makes. We're going to say a simple prayer. And we're going to begin to apply his word. He says to call on his name, to declare him to be Lord. So that's what we're going to do. So go ahead, whether you raise your hand or you've done that before, and repeat this with me. Say, God, thank you for loving me, even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again, that your blood washed me clean. I choose to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.